there. This is Holly, and welcome to Gap to Gap Radio. Uh, we're going to be talking about hitting today, specifically power hitting. And before we get started, uh, just want to wish all the mothers out there happy Mother's Day. Uh, it's pretty strange. I think you're probably used to most likely being out at some some field today, um, Mother's Day uh, celebrating and um, all kinds of things. And it may even be where you're not able to see your mom today uh, because of the uh, COVID-19 uh, pandemic. So um, my condolences for that. And but my uh, wishing you a uh, special happy Mother's Day anyway. So um, <clears throat> so we're going to talk about power hitting. Uh, this is the second, uh, I guess, the second segment of of uh, power hitting and what I'm talking about power hitting is I talked about last segment specifically hitting the ball hard but it's it's actually more in the home run power hitting category so we did talk about or I did talk about last week a little bit about um, uh, qualifying you have to be there has there's a strength factor there's physical factors there's some hitters that just are not going to be power hitters or or at least are not currently power hitters. Um, so there, there's some criteria in that regard. So I want to make sure that that's uh, pretty clear. I'm not sure, honestly, for all the years I've been doing uh, instruction, there are, I'm, I'm not sure that you can make a power hitter a power hitter that doesn't have some physical strengths and physical abilities just to begin with. So I want to make sure that we're kind of clear on that. Before we get started, uh, if you have any comments or questions, if you uh, want to comment on tonight's show, you want to um, uh, ask questions, feel free to call. You can call me at 516-666-9488. That number is at the top of your screen if you're listening live. Um, That number is up uh, on your screen. If you're not listening live, then uh, you're not going to be able to get a hold of me uh, with that number, of course. If you want to contact me after the show, you can send me an email, contact me on my Facebook page, uh, which reminds me, if you want to get more notifications about shows, upcoming shows, discussions on the topics, any of those type of things, Gap to Gap Radio is on on Facebook. All that information is on my website or in the link uh, as you're listening to the show. I'm going to go ahead, and if you want to also, <clears throat> if you would prefer just to text me, if you've got comments or questions and you want to text me, it might be easier for you, 502-262-9195. Feel free to ask me questions. You know, if it's anything softball-related, anything uh, at all, that would be fine. Uh, send uh, uh, the message either on Facebook. You can send it to me on Messenger. You can send it to me. Uh, you can call or you can text me. Uh, at that number. Don't call that number. I won't be able to answer it at this point, but you can text me. So I'd like to get some kind of sort of conversation going, but this is part of my series that I'm talking about uh, with my virtual academy. So I have a virtual academy on my National Fast Pitch Academy website where I have uh, blogs, video blogs, uh, the radio shows, instructional aspects of, of softball. So That's on nationalfastpitchacademy.com, and you can find that if you uh, do a search and look at the uh, services or go down at the bottom of the Save Virtual Academy, so you can find all that information on there as well. 
All right, so we're going to get this is phase two, and I and I'm I don't have a plan on necessarily how much I'm going to talk about each phase or each aspect. This is the ten things you can do to increase your power at the plate. The first phase, or the first segment, <clears throat> was just talking about what a power hitter is and that sort of thing. This part is is getting into the mechanical aspects, and we're going to get into more than just the mechanical mechanical aspects, the actual swing. But we're going to break things down slow but uh, slowly but surely each show and uh, have a kind of a main theme. So I've broken it down to the ten phases or the ten things into three phases. <clears throat> and uh, phase one was like the introduction. So phase two is the first phase of of the of the actual 10 things if that's not very confusing hopefully it's not so phase two is the preparing phase that includes basically the three parts of getting ready to uh, attack forward with with your hands with the bat and a preparing phase is the stance the load and the launch position we're going to talk about those three things mostly today and uh, but in and even in that, we're going to focus mostly on the load and uh, kind of break that down pretty good. So we'll go ahead and get started on <clears throat> excuse me, get started on the um, on the stance. Again, that's three aspects of of this. Now, in this um, preparing phase, I don't include the stance and the ten things because the stance, in my opinion, for the most part, and I tell this to my clients my, when I do lessons or camps and everything. Honestly, and this is, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but you could be uh, doing nothing. You can just stand there in your stance. Stance doesn't essentially have anything to do with power or with hitting. Um, everybody wants to have their own individual stance. That's perfectly fine. And in a lot of ways, it's, it's great. Uh, and I encourage that. You want to be comfortable. If you want to show some individual individualistic aspects of that, where your hands are or whatever and that type of thing, as I said, your stance essentially doesn't have anything to do with hitting per se, but we're going to talk about what it could have uh, an aspect on your hitting. So um, you want to be, it, it can be individual. And again, I, I perfectly think that's uh, where you want to be, have some individualism in your hitting. There are some things in hitting that you can't say, I don't want to do, for example, watching the ball, staying through the ball, those type of things. But uh, your stance, you can pick and choose and change and do whatever you want to do. Um, positioning at the plate, however, you want to position a plate. We're not going to talk about this, this too much, but positioning at the plate is, is extremely important where your feet are, at least in your large position. But uh, that your back foot is, is I would assume, not going to move. So where your back foot is in your stance needs to be where you want it to be. And based on your strengths on your plate, based on your stance if, uh, or your, uh, your strength, if you'd like the pitch a little bit tighter, a little bit more inside, if you'd like the pitch away, if you'd like uh, your bat speed, the type of depth and that type of thing. Uh, so your positioning does matter. But actually how you're staying, standing there in your stance is not uh, – we're not going to talk too much about that. I am going to say, though, as far as positioning, there's a lot of coaches that teach their young hitters uh, to move up on the plate with slow pitchers, move back on the plate with faster pitchers, different things like that. 
personally, I don't teach that to anybody. I wouldn't teach that to anybody under 15-ish. Uh, and even then, it's a problem. The, the reason it can be a problem is the strike zone is so important in, in hitting, and moving up and back uh, can affect your strike zone, the height even, uh, and that's partly why you're doing that. And if you have to move considerably a lot to make an adjustment on a slower pitcher, then there's probably something wrong with your what you're doing wrong mechanically. Now I'm going to say if it's a championship game, if it's a big game or something and one big at bat, uh, if moving up for that is kind of like a band-aid fix, something you can fix uh, right then, uh, it's perfectly fine. I'm just saying on a regular basis, I'm not a big fan of that. I understand it. I think it makes a lot of sense for something at the, at that time. But if you've got a hitter that feels like she needs to move up or back based on the speed of the pitcher a lot, then that may be something you may want to work on that her timing is struggling. And there's some is, issues with her, uh, with her, um, uh, with her bat speed, with issues with her staying through the ball. Now, uh, once you get older a little bit, you can probably play around a little bit with that because your strike zone is probably a little bit healthier. I'm a big believer in consistency and, Getting at the same place all the time is, is really going to help your consistency more uh, than uh, uh, maybe helping you with that one at bat. Uh, but that's part of the stance. I did want to uh, talk about that. Now, we're going to go from stance to launch position, which is actually the, uh, uh, the third part of this phase. But the reason I want to go here is, and then we're going to talk mostly about the load. So you go stance, and then you have the load and then you have the launch position. And the launch position is, is called sometimes called your ready position. It's called uh, power position. It's called um, uh, loaded position. There's a lot of, lot of call, uh, names that we use for this. I do like launch position. I use that mostly. I guess that's probably what I've used most of the time. But I kind of like the word power position as well because uh, it does give, if you get into it properly, it can help increase a little bit of your power. But um, uh, it, it just depends. The launch position, the ready position, the loaded position, the, all of those, uh, that's the position you get into at the end of your load. So I'm putting this together with your stance because the farther, and I want to make sure I say this very clear, this is one of the critical aspects of hitters. The farther you away you are from your stance to your launch position, the more difficult you're going to have with your load getting you to that launch position. And I'm going to say farther away in distance. And for example, uh, the launch position, <clears throat> if you do a lot of research on hitters, and I'm currently, as I've mentioned often, I'm doing a breaking down the top five hitters, home run hitters of 2019 and trying to look at some similarities. And so far, them and for the years that I've been doing this, hitters that get into a really good launch position that is consistent with other hitters, uh, there, there's a consistent a commonality with a launch position. It's not an individual thing. Hands are back in a launch position. Hands are back, and they're not high. They're not low. They're in that shoulder slot, pretty much uh, about where that back shoulder is and, and back uh, pretty good. Uh, not uh, they have to be back pretty extended back there pretty far. Not so far that your front arm 
is straight, what, what we call, we've called for years, is called um, barring out. Your arm is barring like a bar, like a straight bar. Uh, but you want to get those hands back behind the back shoulder. The, and quite honestly, it gives you some distance, gives you some power. If you can't, if you don't get those hands back, then you're going to definitely struggle with getting hitting the ball at your full potential. So the launch position, hands back and in that shoulder area, all good hitters get there. Uh, so in your stance, if your hands are really far away from that position, it just takes you longer to get there. And the, the length of time is going to be a factor in being consistently and getting there in time. The, um, you want to be in an athletic position in your launch position. You want to have your knees bent pretty, uh, not a lot, but be bent in what we call an athletic position. You want to be um, in a position where your weight is 60-40-ish, not over. I see a lot of hitters try to get that weight transfer too much, and their weight, they actually their back foot is like almost, or back leg is almost straight up and down. That's way too much weight on that back leg because now you're going to jump forward and you're going to have too much weight transfer early. We'll talk about weight transfer at a later show. And um, so you want to be in that 60-40 and like in a V, your legs should be in that V position uh, from your belly button to your toes, slightly back with a percentage of your uh, your weight, 60-something percent back on that back leg. You don't want to be straight up in your launch position. You want to be bent at your waist, bent at your knees. Again, in that athletic position, visually, you're looking directly at the release point, at the ball coming in. And I, I really think to increase some power, we'll talk about it again at a later uh, show, is as far as weight transfer, you want your feet to be fairly wide apart, not excessively but narrow feet have uh, decreases weight transfer, decreases some power. So in a really good launch position, if you get a chance, there's uh, I've done three videos. They're on YouTube. You want to take a look at them. Uh, that's the launch position. The, all three of them so far that I've done, and hopefully get the other two here very soon. Their launch position are almost identical, and they're outstanding. And that's and if you look at a hitter that gets into a launch position early enough where it's not late in a really comfortable position, she's probably going to be a pretty good hitter. Uh, hitters that don't get there at all or get there late, struggle to get there consistently, they're not going to be very good hitters. And it's, uh, you know, I'm saying 98% of the time. So that launch position is critically important to be able to get into that position. And when I teach my hitters, one of the things I want to do is I want them to know where that launch position is so they know where to get to. If they don't, don't even know where it is, it's going to be very difficult for, to, for them to get there. So for you coaches, for you parents, for you hitters, learn where that launch position needs to be. And then your stance, the closer you are to that launch position without being there, because uh, you do want to have a little bit of a load, you load into your launch position. So your stance is whatever you load into that launch position. Now, not only is distance a factor, but uh, direction is a factor as well. So you don't want to load. That's one reason I talk about high hands uh, struggle now. Some hitters can be very successful high hands as long as they get launch position, a really good one, then that's okay. But the, but the high hands have a tendency to drop down. They have to still go back. They have to go, if they, you do have high hands, they better go in that backward motion 
as well to create some uh, create some momentum. So that is your launch position. Basically, your feet need to be straight up. You don't want to be. You can start with an open stance. I'm a big fan of open open stance. Uh, you can start closed if you want, whatever you want. But at the end of your load, at the beginning of your launch position, you want those your feet to be pretty straight up. Front foot closed, back foot closed, uh, toes toward the plate in that really good athletic position. Okay, so the, the stance goes into the load, excuse me, goes into the launch. The launch position is really not a static, a, a, a dead position. Um, and even the, um, <clears throat> the stance nor the launch uh, position are really positions. Uh, they are, uh, if you took a photograph of a hitter and, and her stance or in launch position, yeah, there's a place that they need to get to, but it's a, it's a very short period of time. Even some great hitters, and I'm a big fan of uh, stance being a little bit of movement, a little bit of rhythm at that point, not completely dead, uh, so to speak, with your body, no movement or anything like that. Uh, but once you get started, you load into that launch position. Okay, enough with that. So again, we'll talk about that probably as we go along a little bit more. But then you've got, um, uh, so then we're going to get into the load. Now I'm going to say some things about the load. Um, and I've changed a little bit actually this year, a, a little bit on the load. I used to have had, used to have had, or I used to have a rule that I would never teach the load to a hitter that did not have a load and was doing pretty good under the age of, let's say, sophomore in high school and younger. As a college coach, even as a freshman or sophomore in, high, in college, if they came in and they were hitting the ball pretty good, I would not necessarily teach them the load. The load is primarily, again, not, not exclusively, but primarily is a, an advanced tool to help create a little bit more power. I'm guessing uh, if you talk about just the load, not, not the weight transfer, not the feet, not uh, all these other things, I'm guessing the load itself might give you five, I don't think 10% of power in addition to power, but maybe 5% uh, of power. And then you can, you can measure power in a lot of different ways, and we're going to talk about that as well. But let's say you measure power in uh, distance, um, so let's say the hitter is uh, hitting the ball at 180 feet and you add uh, 10% of that 180 feet. Now she's at 198 feet. It's on the fence of a 200-foot uh, uh, ballpark. So that 10% is huge, and that's why it looks bigger than it is. Uh, but uh, I'm not even sure the, the load gives you that much uh, actual true power uh, in addition to power. But it does give you some. Uh, so if a hitter is hitting well and doing a really good job, I'm not going to teach her the load. The problem is that hitters that don't have a load usually are pretty robotish, if you want. They're, they're very um, uh, kind of dead. I talk about they don't have any kind of rhythm and they don't have any kind of a good start necessarily. So I've kind of started a little bit where I am teaching the load a little bit earlier. But quite honestly, almost everybody that I get now especially if they're over 10 or over 12 years old, 
they've already been taught to load. They probably got a little bit of a load going on, and almost all of them have uh, issues going on with the load. So the other thing is, I must give a, <laughs> excuse me, give an example of of the load versus a hitter without a load. Um, is and it's maybe and I, I it's I think it makes sense. Maybe it's kind of a lame uh, metaphor, lame example. But I refer to the load as um, like an air conditioner, like a central air conditioning. So it's like a tool and you've got a box fan, you know, the kind you get at Walmart that costs like $18 or whatever that you plug it in. It's got three speeds and you can turn it on in the summer and you can point it at you and it'll keep you somewhat cool and it'll probably run forever. You might probably need to clean it ever so often, but for the most part, it's going to run forever. There's no mistakes, no errors, no uh, flaws, no maintenance uh, at all. And it's very, very consistent. That would be a hitter, like the box fan, that would be a hitter without a load. It's going to be very, very consistent. doesn't give you a lot of power. doesn't give you a lot, but it's going to be successful and consistent. And you can count on it, that type of thing. The load, the thing is, as a hitter myself and as a, a, a coach for many years, the load is, again, like central air. It's going to make you cooler. It's going to give you more power. It's going to do a lot of things for you, but it breaks down every so often and it and it needs maintenance often and as much as it gets you to that point where it can keep you cool when it breaks down you're burning up because you're used to it and that type of thing it's similar to the load when you get used to the load and now it starts breaking down and a lot of hitters fail because their load stinks because they get or they're either getting it back to getting ready too late they're not even getting there they got too much of a load. They don't, uh, there's a, just a lot of issues with the load. So a couple rules on the load. Number one is, <clears throat> is that um, uh, you want it to start, again, your stance closer to your launch position helps you with that. The other thing about the load is uh, revisit it on a regular basis and um, to kind of a maintenance program, double check. And I'm going to give you what I call the rule of the S's on the load and some things that you can do to help you uh, maintain your load, make sure this, this works. I see a lot of hitters that have great loads, and I watch them over years, and all of a sudden they break down, and then they just start struggling. And, that's, and you look at their load, and it's either getting jerky now or it's starting too late or whatever. <clears throat> and um, so the, the – um, uh, maintain it, check in and stuff like that. The other thing is if you've got a load, especially if it's a, a longer load, if it's a more complicated load, if you start struggling, assume that it's your load. Um, one of the things is when I first was taught uh, uh, the load, uh, I started doing it and it started working really well for me. And I said, I was young and I was, I thought, well, if this works, then more works. More is not more in the load. You don't want to make it uh, more, uh, make it so long that you got some trouble and I would get beat. I would get late and I, it would mess up my timing a lot and stuff. So, so, okay. So that's the load. We're going to talk about the uh, rule of the S's uh, for the load. Now, one of the things before, well, before then, uh, essentially they talk about there are two types of loads, but I'm going to say, I'm going to say there's three types, partly because the third type I teach and I may be taking some liberties here. So there's, uh, uh, there's what is called the two-step load, and there is, I guess, the one-step load. Okay, so the one-step load is 
uh, and the load includes the feet. If you've got any kind of stride, if that heel gets up, if you uh, if you don't do anything with the front foot, then you're fine. You don't have to worry about uh, your your stride, your front foot at all. But the load does include your feet. Your load is your preliminary mo- preliminary movement. It includes everything that moves that gets you into that launch position. It includes your weight, includes your feet, includes your hands, includes uh, your athletic position, all those things. So um, the, the one-step load is your hands and your feet start and get back and get ready at essentially at the same time. So you, when your hands start going back, your foot, foot starts going back, uh, starts going forward, and you're loaded, um, or you start everything pretty much the same, uh, the same time. A two-step load is that you start your hands and then uh, your hands get started, and then pretty much when they get loaded, then you got your stride, and then you hit. Now, uh, higher-level hitters can, can use the two-step load. Uh, it, it's a little bit more complicated. One of the problems with the two-step load is they hit younger hitters or even higher-level hitters have a tendency the hands to go back, and then when they start to stride, their weight goes forward too early. So there's some risk there, but it does give you a little bit more rhythm. It gives you a little bit more to, uh, to work with. Obviously, because you're adding two steps, you got to start your hands a little bit earlier than you would in the one step. You can wait a little bit longer in the one step. Younger hitters, I would probably start, do just the one step, the hands back and the foot uh, down, everything the same. And uh, as older hitters, if they wanted to try to increase some rhythm and try to increase some things that maybe do the two-step. I kind of like the, uh, I actually call it one-and-a-half step, basically. I like where the hands start earlier, kind of start getting those back. But as the hands are going back, the foot, so the hands start early, er, earlier than the foot and the stride. But by the time the hands are back, then the foot gets down. So that's more of a one step, but so I call it like a, a one and a half step. It's hands as it's going back, the foot gets down, and then you can uh, get into that launch position at that point. Work with your hitting instructor, uh, get kind of a rhythm and stuff. One of the things about this is that it is somewhat of an individual thing. I actually coached a hitter one time that uh, actually had a stride before their hands. They completely different. Their foot would go forward and then their hands went back and they were a uh, division two uh, hitter. Uh, college hitter was really, really good. Uh, so, you know, there's some individualism there as well, but ultimately again, there's uh, as we're going to talk about the rules here. Uh, you have, in my opinion, the more that you can follow the six S's or the rule of the S's, then uh, uh, in the load, you're going to be better off. So we'll go ahead and get with that. So uh, there's six rules, three with the hands, three with the uh, stride, and they all start with the word, with the letter S, and uh, two of them, two of the words, are match exactly in both. So it makes it pretty easy to remember. So the hands, you, uh, it's soon, short, and smooth. So the hands are soon, short, and smooth. So soon meaning, you know, you got to get your hands going early. And on that topic and, and everything, you, the, you, the purpose of getting loaded is to get into that launch position. You've got to get it started, uh, started early enough where you can get there and not get there late. It's better to be early 
than it is to be late. So uh, start those hands early enough to, to get going. Um, when to start, I'm making a note here. To, I don't want to talk about this point right now because it, it, um, it, I do want to talk about it as we finish up the, the rules of the S's of when to start the load and how to, uh, how to know when to start. And we're going to get to that point. If I forget that, uh, message me if, if I don't get to that point. Or uh, if you're online and listening right now, uh, send me a message or remind me. Excuse me. So uh, soon, short, and, and smooth. Pretty clear. Soon, get it back early. Uh, get it started and everything. Short, just a few inches, the better. You don't want to go too far. Some hitters will actually start their hands so far forward almost the middle of their chest to get those hands back. And that's just way too long. Uh, hitters can get away with it sometimes, but for the most part, it's a really, uh, you're asking to have a lot of problems. If you have a long load, if those hands go at long distance, you're going to have some more maintenance issues and some more timing issues and things like that. Just a few inches kind of start back and then just get back uh, later. And uh, obviously the shorter, you've got to move then the, the later you can start your hands. So you don't have to go as on the soon, you don't have to go as soon. The smooth part on the hands is the transition between back and forward. You want it to be soon. It's, and these are all related and are all connected. If you go back hard, if you go back long, uh, it's going to be difficult to be smooth. It's going to be a little bit jerky and, and, and you're not going to, uh, get as much out of it as you should. So uh, the transition is back to go forward. Obviously, if you go back and stop, that's okay. But that's not the purpose of this. If it was, you might as well just start back anyway, which is okay as well. But it, you're losing what you can get out of the load. So you want that transition to go back and forward. You don't want it to stop. You want it to be uh, soon, short, and smooth. All right, we're gonna we'll come back a little bit as we uh, move along a little bit more on the stride. So the stride, the three S's that they have, or the the front foot has, is soon. Again, you want to be early, or better be early than late. There's a phrase in hitting: uh, you got to get the front foot down. A lot of hitters wait, 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 and get that front foot down way late. I'd say it's one of the top four or five issues of hitters, especially that are trying to generate a little bit of power, try to get it some uh, 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 force the power a little bit, that they will get that front foot down late and they kind of jump at it a little bit and stuff. So you want the stride foot to get down soon. You want the stride foot to go forward short. You don't want to go very far. Now I'm going to say with a disclaimer, there are some really good hitters that can get that, that stride, can be a little bit longer maybe. I don't, I'm not, a, uh, I wouldn't stop that per se. That's probably of the six S's, the one that you could probably get away with a little bit more, but it's got to get there. It's got to get down. And when it's down, the hands have to be back into that launch position and then soft. So in the stride, you want soft um, stride that uh, when you get that foot down, you don't want to jump at it. You don't want it to be hard. The more athletic you are, the stronger your legs are, the more uh, the stronger you are. You can jump a little bit more and get away with it because what happens is if you're jumping at it, uh, usually if that front foot is not soft, then that weight means it's coming forward too early. Uh, you want to stride with the weight back. That's and get into that launch position. 
Uh, remember, we talked about launch position is 60% weight back. If you stride and a weight's forward, you've lost all your weight transfer. So the launch position is the ignition of your weight transfer, not the actual weight transfer. So soon, short, and smooth for the hands. Soon, short, and soft for the uh, for the stride for their front foot. So that's the rule of the S's. And uh, you, again, try to maintain that. Try to work on that on a regular basis. <clears throat> excuse me, to get you into that launch position. Um, and you're going to have to work at it. And a great way to do this is in a drill. There's a bunch of really good drills is uh, on the T work. This is great for the T work to really work, trying to get consistently where that everything is moving slow. And you can even exaggerate a little bit on the slowness and the softness of the hands and of the stride, trying to make sure that you can keep that weight back and then attack. So I, t I say all the time, it's kind of like slow body, fast hands. You don't want to go too fast with anything. Uh, so you're going to slow down your hands, slow down your feet, and it, be quick with your hands, be strong with your hands and your, and your bat. All right, so when do you start the load? I think that's where a lot of people get confused and everything. And I used to use the word hover. And um, so we, we know at this point, and the more we get metrics, metrics are really helping us. And the cool thing about the metrics, I think, is for those of us that's been around for a long time, that's been teaching before metrics, what, it's kind of confirming a lot of stuff that we've been teaching. So uh, we can estimate that the pitch takes about, oh, let's say, uh, depends on the level, so uh, lower level, let's say half a second, uh, upper level, let's say four-tenths of a second. So um, I think you could probably say that at uh, the top level uh, Olympic softball, top level Division One softball, probably it may be a 35 hundredths of a second possibly with a pitcher throwing 70-ish miles an hour possibly. So I'm not real good at any of this, but I'm Got a pretty good idea that's about where it is. So let's say four-tenths of a second. Obviously, you've got change-ups and other things like that. But four-tenths of a second is pretty quick. And um, it's not four seconds. It's four-tenths of a second. And uh, so when you start your load, if you even uh, do it a few times, the amount of time it takes you to go from uh, your stance to your load can actually be longer than four-tenths of a second. So if you see hitters that do a really good job of getting loaded, they're starting before the release point uh, to get loaded because we know that with uh, Blast Connect that I use to test bat speed, we're talking about hitters at the high, uh, really good high school hitters, probably college hitters. We're talking about, uh, let's say, 13 to 15 hundredths of a second. So to be real good at math, let's say, or since I'm not good at math, 15 hundredths of a second is uh, how long it takes a hitter to swing. That's the forward movement that does not count the load. So, and if it's uh, the hit, the pitch is at four tenths of a second. So you got to start your hands going forward. What's that about? Uh, the pitch has traveled about two thirds, maybe of the way, um, not quite that much. Uh, let's say 60% of the way at that point, then you've got to start your, start your hands. So uh, that you got to start your hands on that forward process. The, the good thing is that because everything is so quick, 
what I used to say is said like the hover. So you start your hands back on your drill, train yourself that you just kind of go back until you're ready to go forward. If you're going slow, you can go forward at any notch, any point along the way. If you're going fast, you go from A to B and then, then you go to, to contact. But if you're going slow, if, if, if you start those hands uh, slow and early enough, you can start that movement forward at any point. So that's what I say, like hover, meaning start the hands back slow, wait until you're ready to attack, and then you go forward. And you just keep on going back until you're going forward. So that's a little trick that I uh, use. The distance, the difference is you're talking about tenths of seconds. So that hover is not going to be very long uh, it's at all. And for the most part, even if it's a, the difference between the change up and a fastball is going to be a very, very small amount of time. It's enough to get you out, but it's not enough to mess up the load per se if you start slow and you, and you go in a short distance. Another trick on the load is when you're on deck or you can even be <clears throat> um, leading off the, the, the game, watching the pitcher warm up, uh, you can be um, – a uh, new pitcher can be coming in. You can be ready to hit watching her warm up and stuff. Kind of do your load on the on-deck circle. Do your load as you're getting ready, kind of looking and kind of time that a little bit uh, to prepare for that. So that's a good way to kind of help you get ready uh, for the hitter or ready to hit with your load. So that's another trick at this point. In my opinion, if you if you follow the six S's, if the rules of the S's, you're going to have less of a trouble, less trouble with when to start and that type of thing uh, than you want to um, uh, worry about. <clears throat> now, a little bit of an issue with the load is, especially with the load here, because of our typical workout, uh, we uh, in, in the lesson business and a lot of practices, we're practicing a lot with um, uh, front toss and we're pretty close. And a hitter is um, uh, needs to, and a lot of times you want to make sure you can do your arm circle so the hitter can kind of get used to starting the load early. And uh, and we kind of go pitch by pitch kind of quickly, give her time to get that really good load, watch the load, and even practice uh, and focus on the load during that time. So, um, <clears throat> so to... Um, uh, summarize a little bit to to uh, go back through this. We get again. We got the stance, then in then the load, and then the launch position, and then we're getting in that ready position, that launch position. If we get there early enough in a really good position with the weight 60% back ish, it could be 70% maybe. It can uh, you know more than 50 and less than somewhere between 50 and 70 probably, and just uh, cut it down the middle about 60%. <clears throat> And into that launch position. This is the the approach part, or excuse me, the preparation part of uh, adding power. <clears throat> and the better we can do this consistently, the better we can um, have hit with some power. <clears throat> Don't underestimate how important these things are. Even <clears throat> excuse me, even the stance when you're doing your lessons, when you're doing your work on your own, really get into a routine of getting into your stance. Uh, at the same time, I think if you don't, because again, your your routine from stance to your launch position, that load incorporates where your stance is. So if you don't get in the same stance all the time, that's going to change your load. Then you're going to start it early sometimes, start it late. 
a lot of times and it makes it a little bit more difficult. Years ago, I was uh, I played um, uh, college basketball as well. And one of the things I was watching a video was on TV and was watching videos, University of Kentucky, not a big University of Kentucky fan um, from uh, my degrees from Indiana University, but uh, the um, but I was watching and they were talking about shooting free throws and what they taught in shooting free throws. And I'm watching this. It made a lot of sense to me. And so one of the things that I did um, at about that same time, I was uh, playing college basketball and I would uh, went in my practice and my workout uh, to uh, prepare for games. I would do, shoot a lot of free throws like a lot of us should. And uh, one of the things is kind of get into your game routine now. And, and at that time, you uh, the referee would hand you the ball and a lot of what I was doing, I was going up to the line and then the referee would hand me, hand me the ball and then I would shoot. Well, sometimes I wouldn't get to the line. Sometimes I would get, it was, it was like an inconsistent thing. So I got the habit of referee giving me the ball before I would get to the line. Then I would go to the line. I did exactly the same thing. I would bounce it three times. I put my, index finger on the inflate um, the place where you inflate the basketball. Uh, And then I put it on my thigh and I got up and I would shoot. And I would do that every single time I practice, I'd back away from the line, get the ball, go up the line and shoot and everything, not just shooting. I would practice the routine of shooting as it was in a game and everything. And I was doing, I was, I think, uh, in our conference at that time, I was in the top four or five, maybe uh, freezing, uh, shooting free throws. I wasn't really that good before that in shooting free throws. And um, I wasn't horrible, but I wasn't that good. And it really helped me become a much, much better free, free throw shooter at that point. I think the same thing when we do our work, sometimes we just get up and we hit, we hit, we hit, we hit. We don't think about the stance to the load and to the to launch position as it's a whole lot better to be consistent and be uh, your quality is more important than your quantity. Quantity is huge. You want to spend time at it, but you got to make sure you do it as in a game. Remember hitting is not an endurance event. Uh, we practice like it is sometimes like we want to get hundreds of swings of a week. If, but in reality, we're going to get a, a few swings in a game. So we don't have to necessarily get, to get a whole lot of swings to get us ready for that. We want to make sure we do it really, really well to get us prepared. Okay. So that is um, the preparing phase, phase two, the preparing phase. Phase three is the attack. This is going to be where the, everything is going forward. This is the weight transfer, the attack angle, the backspin, the contact, all that sort of thing. I don't know if we're going to get that into the next episode, but that's where we're going to go to um, go to next uh, for this show. So I'll give you a little bit more of the schedule here. Um, Monday afternoons uh, each week, my plan is to interview a coach. Uh, that's at 12 o'clock Eastern time. I've had uh, this past year or past year, we, uh, past week I had the Indiana university coach um, and um, uh, she was on there this past past um, week which um, uh, did a really, really good job. Coach Stanton did a great job. 
And then tomorrow we have uh, the coach from Ballard High School in, uh, in Louisville coming in to be the coach, Alan Jones, and a very successful coach from uh, Ballard in Louisville, Kentucky. So that's tomorrow at 12. So each, each week, hopefully, I should be able to get a, a, some sort of coach, um, if not a player. I'd like to eventually get somebody from the USA uh, Olympic players and uh, some professional people, some players from professional league, and that type of thing. So it's going to be players and coaches on Mondays at 12. Then on Sundays, like tonight, Sundays at 8 Eastern time, I'm going to talk hitting. The series on power is going to be um, the, the focus for, for right now. But then we'll talk some more hitting. I think uh, we may go, it's going to be the virtual academy aspect. We may go to some coaching tips, practice tips, things like that. If you've got any things you want me to talk about, got any uh, topics, Feel free to email those to me, message them on uh, on my Facebook page. <clears throat> then a brand new show, we're going to start uh, Thursdays at 12 o'clock Eastern time. Starting this Thursday, we're going to talk, uh, the title of the show is Let's Talk Softball. Uh, a good friend of mine, Ron Ray, is the founder and owner of Future Stars of Sports. And uh, he runs a lot of been running tournaments and handling tournaments for youth softball for many, many years. Um, and uh, is going to be my co-host for a show. We're just going to talk softball for this next Thursday, maybe for a Thursday or maybe a few Thursdays. We're going to talk about getting back on the field. Your thoughts on that? Like, what do you think? Are you ready to get back on the field? I know mostly all of us are ready to get back, but uh, are you ready to, there's some risks, obviously. Uh, are you ready to do that? What are you, what precautions are you going to take? Uh, what's your situation? Of course, what state you're in is going to depend on that. Uh, there's a lot of factors on that. So uh, that or any, any topic with softball tournament uh, type of stuff, mostly youth softball. That's with Ron Ray with future stars of sports. That'll be this Thursday at 12 and um, hopefully each Thursday we'll talk softball. So those are the three shows per week. That's kind of the plan right now. And uh, feel free to subscribe to the Blog Talk Radio page here that's on that site if you're listening live or if you're listening uh, after the show in the archive version, you can still subscribe and you'll get an uh, automatic update anytime there's a show scheduled and, and get you notifications with, with that sort of thing. So that's uh, one of the things you can do. Or you can uh, go on my Gap to Gap Radio Facebook page. That would be great if you want to get on there. And then also if you wanted to like make comments and uh, uh, send some um, uh, thoughts on the show. Um, I'm sorry. I got it. Uh, okay. I'm so, I thought I got a message here on Facebook group. So if you want to uh, comment on that or anything about future shows or anything else. So the, um, uh, just let me know if you got anything. So you subscribe to the Blog Talk site or join me on the Gap to Gap Facebook page. So I think that's pretty much it. Uh, I appreciate everybody uh, uh, listening. This is, a, again, kind of a new show. We'll kind of get there uh, eventually and try to get some things uh, cleaned up and talking softball. And, and hopefully it can help. Again, feel free to contact me about anything softball-related uh, if you've got any suggestions or anything like that. Uh, my name is Holly Knight with National Fast Pitch Academy. And uh, you can find more information on the National Fast Pitch Academy 
website at nationalfastpitchacademy.com. And with that, have a wonderful week, and we will talk to you soon.